powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. The fuck was that? Welcome, everyone, to Game Over Calgary. I'm Peter Klein. Uh, the man to my right is Tony Ferrari. We've had technical issues at the wa- out the wazoo. I say we. It's been me. I am furious <laughs> on eight different levels. So this is going to be wonderful tonight. Um, I, I'm going to be an awful host again and make Tony be quiet for a second. Well, I tell you, it's March Mania at Sports Interaction. NHL, NBA, March Madness was a whole lot of fun. You have Major League Baseball and so much more. It's bananas. Play Pinata Picks and Minute Madness, two of the great innovations that have come to sports wagering. I absolutely love both of those. Exclusive games with insane odds you can't play anywhere else. Make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Download the app in Ontario. Use the QR code you see at the bottom of the screen. Or head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to get started. 19 years and older, please play responsibly. Uh, sports gambling can be a hell of a thing to, to deal with sometimes. If you have issues in this particular field, uh, there are links in the show notes to help you out. Uh, very pleased to be joined today by uh, Tony Ferrari. Tori, uh, Tony, I apologize for making you sit through A, whatever the fuck that was, and B, all of these technical issues. How are you today, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to look up the odds real quick on Sports Interaction to see what uh, the Calgary Flames playoff odds are at this point, because <laughs> they're putrid. Um, yeah, that was a game. That certainly was. It, it was weird because at times it felt like Calgary was controlling things. And then Chicago would score. And uh, I feel like that's a lot of times been uh, the story of the Flames season so far this year. Yeah, if, if you were to fade the Flames on sports interaction just against the Blackhawks, uh, you're rather profitable as Calgary goes 0-2-1 against one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League this season. And yeah, like it, it just, it felt like the second the Flames would do something positive, they were just kind of a... all right well that's probably it and then the Blackhawks would just come in and score like it was just it was a very weird night from a a Calgary perspective the one thing that frustrates me about these types of games is and look I I think the Flames have a a very good TV broadcast with Kelly Rudy and Rick Ball but there was a lot of oh well the Blackhawks don't know this and the Blackhawks do this and the Black it shouldn't matter Nothing the Blackhawks did tonight should have mattered at all to the Flames, given the talent disparity and the what like either team had any on anything on the line. One of them, one of them did in Calgary. Like it just nothing Chicago did should have mattered in that game. But here we are with the Flames getting nothing out of a game against Chicago. Yeah, it was one of those games where you felt like they've lost to them twice already this year. They have to win this third one, especially with the the, the gravity of tomorrow's game. I think that I was looking at some of the stats for the, for today's game on, online right now, and the craziest thing to me is for as kind of bad of a game as Nazem Kadri had, I think there were a bunch of moments where you were just like, what is happening with you, Naz? Like, one of my favorite players in the league, it wasn't his best game. He controlled shots at over 80%. It's not like he really had that bad of a game. It just felt like it because, I don't know, I've called it Jake Gardner syndrome for being a a guy that follows the Leafs as much as I have. Just you make the wrong play at the wrong time, and it makes you kind of sour on the entire game. So it's one of those things where I think the the Flames actually played a pretty decent game in terms of getting shots on net, controlling the pace of play for the most part. But it was these ridiculous Mrazic saves that he never made in Toronto. It was these saves that he'd make – looking sideways or behind the net doing all these goofy things i think as steve dangle on the network would say just tend the goal mrazic would never do that but he made the saves today and at the end of the day marstrom didn't and i think those that third period early on with the two two on ones when they just 
couldn't couldn't stop a puck. He couldn't stop anything. The Flames' defense was just so porous. They kept making mistakes in the neutral zone, and, and that cost them. Yeah, and with Markstrom, like I don't want to put the blame on him because, like you said, there was two on ones, there was giveaways. It was kind of a, a sloppy, certainly a sloppy start to the third period from the Flames' standpoint. But given what the Flames are paying Markstrom to do. I feel like stealing one against the Blackhawks shouldn't be as big of an ask as maybe it was tonight. So I I don't think he's necessarily the reason they lost, but I didn't see a whole lot of contributing to winning, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. When you have a starting goalie, especially when you're paying as much as you play Markstrom and Calgary, you just need him to make that one save. And he couldn't do that tonight. And I think that's the difference of this game. I mean, it's a one goal game. Obviously, you get that goal late and you get some hope and Calgary's all over the offensive zone with it with the extra man. But there were still those sloppy moments. I think Nas bobbled the puck to fully bobble the puck. It was just these moments where as much as the execution was kind of starting to get going, there, that mistake would just creep in and, and come up at the bad time. And the, the, the weird thing is, is that like we're, a lot of Flames fans are frustrated right now um, that a, a couple of, of younger players with Pelche and Coronado are sitting on the bench. And I get like throwing a kid into his first career NHL game with the playoffs on the line does seem a tad unfair. But w- when you look at what the, the Flames did tonight, it's a lot of mistakes that you would expect like a young team to make. But it's not some cadre who just won a Stanley Cup. Tyler DeFoley's done the damn thing before. Um, like you have like Rasmus Anderson, while he's still pretty young, has been in enough important games now that he should know better as to when to pinch and when not to pinch. Like it's it's not the young kids who are screwing up. It's the guys who should know better that are, are kind of uh, costing the flames would be a bit of a stretch but are are again kind of hindering their efforts in these games that's what's so frustrating to me it's that the guys who are supposed to be the ones leading the charge that are doing kind of the exact opposite at the worst possible times yeah and i think this would have been the perfect game to get one or both of those guys in the lineup get coronado his first nhl game because you are playing the blackhawks at the end of the day this is a team you should beat pretty handily and then you can rest one of your veterans for tomorrow's game when you play the jets in probably the big now definitely the biggest game of the season it's one of these moments where i think calgary needs some of that offensive punch inserting Pelletier or 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 coronado into the game would have given them a little bit of that i think coronado would have come out firing this is a guy that has some scoring ability i think this you look at him being a top six guy for the flames down the road you signed him. Get him into the lineup, at least in a game like this. And like I said, you rest one of your veterans. Maybe you take Lucic out of the lineup, put Coronado in, let him do some damage and try to create some offensive chances, and then get Lucic back in the lineup tomorrow, all full and pissed and vinegar and going ham and just attacking them in, in the Winnipeg game. At the end of the day, they just didn't have the offensive punch, it felt like, even though they were getting the chances. Yeah, the, the Lucic thing has frustrated a lot of flames fans this season and and sometimes it can feel like piling on but like that this is the first of a back-to-back like you said it's against essentially an american hockey league team featuring jonathan (laughs) taves and like for a big game, I, I think it would be nice for Lucic to have maybe an extra day's rest or something like that. I feel like that's how they, they should have been using him for a, a little bit now. And you see, anytime Pelche is in the lineup, he's the one providing that that kind of boost to this team. Like it, it almost feels cliche. Like the young player comes in and gives the team a bit of a spark, and it's oh, they're too young; they don't know that they should be scared. But that's kind of what happens. And you look at when this team has got sparks this year. It's been when. Uh, a guy like Walker Dewar has come in. Ruzichka provided that earlier. Pelche actually got Huberto to smile for a second. Like it, it's been the young guys who have given this team the life that they have needed. And quite frankly, the, the spark that I'm told Milan Lucic provides when he 
hits something or something like that. Like I just, I, I, I will never understand how this season has gone the way it has with some of the usage of the young players and then the not as young players. That's been the crazy thing too. I think with this flames team is they haven't been able to find the fits. And I think that's been the biggest thing with Naz and Hampus or not Elias Lindholm. Uh, you look at guys like Huberto and Uyghur, a lot of these guys coming in making that are supposed to be the guys for this team haven't really been able to find the f- the fit in the lineup, find the chemistry with the guy that they're going to play with for the rest of the year kind of thing. You look at a lot of the elite teams, a lot of the good teams around the league, and they have a top six that kind of sets and s- sits and plays together. I think at least one of those top two lines is going to be playing together for the full year. I think you look at f- the Flames last year, and that's, I mean, you don't want to beat a dead horse, but that's what made that top line so special last year when you had the three guys scoring 40 goals is they just played together. There was no worry about, hey, are you going to play with this guy that, to this game? Are you going to switch down? Are you going to have Milan Lucic randomly on your line? Are you going to have to play with a guy like Tyler Toffoli all of a sudden and, and change up the way you play? I think finding that chemistry has been the the kind of the Achilles heel for the Flames this year, and we're still seeing it this late in the season. So I think that's the biggest issue. This, like, it, it's a weird way to describe it. This kind of felt like the 15th game of the year, right? Like, A, mm-hmm. there was no urgency, but B, there still isn't that chemistry with, like, anyone aside from Backlund and Coleman and Manjapani. Like, those yeah. guys have obviously played together a bunch, but aside from that, like, it still, it still looks like everyone's kind of feeling each other out, doesn't it? Yeah, and that that line there has kind of been the only line that was kicking at times. I think mm-hmm. the way they were going at times, they were creating chances in the third period. They were looking good. It's this moment of you see Huberter going up the ice and his pass is just a little bit off off of whoever he's setting it to. The way Naz is kind of cycling the puck and then he's, he's able to kind of chip it when he's not doing it lazily like he did in the second period there. It's these moments that are costing them, that they're not able to find the guy on their line that's supposed to make the next play. There you we talk about in the in the prospect world uh, about play connectors, and I think the Flames are just missing guys that are play connectors. Not necessarily the star on the line, not necessarily the guy that goes out there and makes the big play, but he's the guy that helps the good the top players make the good play. And the Flames just don't seem to have guys that are doing that. No, no, that's a, a great point. Um, just quickly here before we wrap up this kind of first segment, and I'm, I'm not just doing this because uh, Robert, the greatest mod in the business, is also producing tonight and saving my ass. Um, I'm not just saying this because of uh, the, the player who I'm about to talk about is his favorite, but Tyler DeFoley's been that dude, to be fair. Like, th- this is a- another big one for, for Tyler DeFoley tonight, where, where he ends up getting a goal. But it's it just, like, he has been great. And with, with all due respect to him, I do kind of feel like Tyler DeFoley is your best player, is great. But when you have Kadri and Huberto that you're paying, that also seems like a bit of a problem. Like, it feels like he should be a very good secondary piece on this team. When it's going, like, this great, for him but no one else like it just it feels like they're wasting a very good Toffoli season if that was kind of a roundabout way of getting there yeah I, I think you're spot on with that because uh, when I went to look at this flame stats before the game just to kind of refresh myself on who's leading the team and what and whatnot seeing Toffoli's name at the top of the list I was like okay he's I knew he was having a really good season I didn't know he was having this good of a season and then seeing everyone kind of slot him behind him Huberto's fifth on the team in scoring right now behind Backlund, Kadri and Lindholm like you, you have these guys that are making money, supposed to be producing, and that, and that aren't really doing it. At the end of the day, it's I love Tyler Toffoli. It's great to see him have this season. He's a really, really good player. But if he's your catalyst, I don't know, man. Like we, we in Toronto, you watch the Leafs struggle having 
Phil Kessel is the, the catalyst up front. You watch the, the wings with Dylan Larkin. You have to have a guy that is truly special. And I love Tyler Toffoli, but if he's your best player, like you said, that's probably an issue. Yeah, especially when you're paying other guys to kind of do those things anyway. Yeah. Um, just quickly, speaking of catalysts, man, I just watched 60 minutes of the Blackhawks play, and I think I can only confidently name three players on that team. Even after watching that whole game, like that is a team that has taken the tank and just ran with, aside from playing the Flames, I guess. Yeah, I mean, unless they're playing the Flames, they really are an, an AHL team at best. Uh, there's a, They have guys that you're like, oh, he's still in the league, like Andreas Athanasiu. Uh, Jonathan Taze is coming, is came back this year, but he's not the same player that he is. He's been in and out of the lineup a lot this year. So this is really a team where they're just a bunch of creative players on NHL 23. You're, you're six years into the, the franchise mode and they, they stop kind of generating players that you've heard of the Connor Bedards and the, the Mackley Celebrinis are are out of the draft. And now you're just getting guy Schembechler and and just dudes. And, And that's what the Blackhawks team is made up of basically. Yeah, yeah, just random name generator guys, 100%. Um, Just quickly, I'm kind of bouncing around a bunch of things right now, but as someone who focuses a lot on on prospects, when there are younger players on teams like this, like how do you evaluate anything that goes on with any young player that goes on to this Blackhawks team this year? It's tough. You look at their usage, you look at the guys that they're playing with, you you try to see the translatable skills. You want to see guys like Lucas Reichel today. He made a really good play on that second goal or the third goal for the for the Blackhawks, the, the Andreas Anthanaseu's second goal. Just kind of getting in there, making the right play, being translatable. I think you're not going to look for this guy to have a ton of consistency necessarily. You're not going to be able to go, oh, this guy's a, a stud in the league. It's It's tough because he's probably playing with random guys every night kind of in a line blender just because they don't know who the good players on there are on the team. And you want to see the flashes. You want to see the things that made him a top prospect or made them a good prospect. And at the end of the day, you're getting some of those with the Blackhawks. Are they constantly the best? No, but you're, you're seeing the little flashes now that they're going to start building hopefully next year. That's when you want to start to see the consistency and you just want to see a trajectory upwards basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it can be difficult. It's like, yeah, you know, that play they made when they were down five looked really great. Um, exactly. Again, I'm crap talking a team that just swept the flames, <laughs> um, including in their biggest game of the year. Uh, let's go to the chat for the first time. First of all, we're at 33 people in the chat, which is amazing considering how delayed we were. It's a second link. You're all amazing. And I love you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like this video, share it, subscribe to the channel. Um, it, it helps out so much. Uh, all right. Blackhawks leading goal scorer currently has 20 goals. No excuse losing to that. Fair point by left-handed penman in the chat for sure. Um, why can't the Flames give Dustin Wolf a few starts since the Sabres are doing exactly that with Levi, despite still being in the hunt for a playoff berth? Um, I, I get you're the, the prospect ex, prospect expert. I feel like throwing Dustin Wolf into that. Um is like I don't want to say throwing him to the wolves because of the, the obvious, but it feels like that would be detrimental to the young man. Um, w- would I be safe in assuming that? Yeah, I think the the situation's a little bit different because I don't think uh, and with Calgary and Buffalo, they're both fighting for a playoff spot, obviously. But the vibes in Buffalo are immaculate this year. You throw a guy like Levi in there, and he's able to feed off of that. He's able to kind of be us against the world. We're fighting for that playoff spot that no one expected. If you throw. Dustin Wolf, who I think is a, an outstanding goaltender, he should be challenging for a roster spot next year, even into the lineup with the Flames right now. 
the bat's already up against the wall for this entire team. This team is expected to not only challenge for a playoff spot, but probably win the division or come close. So throwing Dustin Wolf in there right now, it, it to me, I, I'm a stats guy. I love to kind of crunch the numbers and evaluate things that way. But the vibes matter, and the vibes around the Flames this year are not great. Oh, no, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> uh, um, um, uh, along with that, uh, there's some people criticizing uh, Daryl Sutter. Again, I, I understand um, Daryl Sutter has forgot more about hockey since this conversation started um, than, than I will ever know in my entire life. But I feel like he's had a few swings and misses uh, this season. Someone saying uh, Sutter and True Living should be fired after the season. The fact the Flames got swept by the worst team in hockey. Good teams lose to bad teams. Um, I, I don't think that it should be like in the press release if they do let them go. But it, it does feel like uh, and maybe I'm too far in it from kind of a, an outsider-ish standpoint. Um, watching that game tonight, where do you view things right now with the, the Flames kind of like leadership group with Tri Living and, and Sutter? Well, I, I think you're right. Daryl Sutter's forgotten more about hockey than we'll ever know, probably. But a lot of the hockey he's forgotten is from the 90s and early 2000s. And at the end of the day, that's not the year of hockey that we're in right now. Watching the Flames dump and chase as much as they were to just a, a gut-wrenching level today was just so unsettling at times. They'd have a clear path into the zone. No, a number of times Jonathan Huberto was skating up to the, the offensive blue line with no one in front of him, and he just dumps it in because that's the Sutter system. I think at the end of the day, it's just an era gone by gone, and you need to move on to someone newer, someone younger, someone who's going to be able to allow these players, the Nazem Kadri's, the Jonathan Huberto's, the Pelletier's, the Coronado's, to play the game in the modern way that they're going to be able to play and excel the way that, that these these players can because this isn't a bad roster. It's just a bad fit right now with that coaching staff, I think. Um, just a, a quick aside, when Daryl first came in this second time, Johnny was still on the team, and he had Johnny dumping and chasing, and it was clear Gaudreau hadn't dumped the puck in since he was like eight. Like they were yeah. going into the crowd, off the netting, just like absolutely anywhere but where it was supposed to go. It's like, you know – you could maybe adjust it a little bit, but like you talk about the vibes, like this team feels like they're miserable right now. And part of that is you just lost fucking Blackhawks, but yeah, <laughs> like it, it feels like th this whole season that there has just been this oil and water mixed with this team. And I I've been frustrated at times in the past in this market where it's, Oh, this get the team quit on the coach. And a few of the coaches they've had here admittedly are rather quit onable, but like I, 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 I do not blame this team one bit for quote unquote quitting on the coach this year. And it does, you do kind of get that sense watching it. Don't you? Yeah. Daryl Sutter is a hall of fame coach. He's won Stanley cups. He's coached teams to deep playoff runs. He's been a really great coach for a really long time, a better coach than I'll ever be. But sometimes the sun sets on your career and it's just kind of that time. I think for him. Yeah. Um, one of the things that has frustrated people this year is his, his lack of want to, to play some of the, the younger players. I asked about how you evaluate the, the Chicago ones. There was a lot of discussion around Matthew Phillips this year with the, the Flames, how they used him when he was called up. Um, maybe not necessarily again in the, the optimal way for him, which uh, there's a couple of sides to that. But when you have some young players who are maybe being thrown into situations that doesn't necessarily fit their skill set, like a guy who's a scorer in the American Hockey League. Now he's on a checking line in the the, the NHL. How, how do you evaluate those sorts of things? 
Well, I think there are different kinds of players at the end of the day. I think there are guys that can play up and down a lineup and he might be a scorer at the next level, but he's perfectly capable of playing in the bottom six. I look at a guy like Joey Anderson, who's traded to Chicago, played a really good game today. I thought looked really good at times. He's the guy that can kind of play in that fourth, third line role, but if you need to elevate him up to the top six, he's capable of kind of filling in and filling the gaps. Uh, you look at a guy like a guy like Dylan Dubé, even I think he's a guy that I think can play in the top six, but on a winning team, he's probably more comfortable on that third line being a catalyst there. I think with the Blackhawks, when you have a guy like Coronado, when you have a guy like Matthew Phillips, you need to play these guys in the situations that they're going to play in when they're at their peak. Unfortunately, that means you're going to have to live with mistakes on the top line or the top six, but you need to play them with players that are capable of playing with them. Asking a guy like Coronado to go in there and play with a Lucic and just another lug, it's not going to be anything. You're going to be like, well, why aren't you producing? Because he's got no one to play with at the end of the day. Not everybody is going to be able to come into the league like Connor Bedard is going to be able to next year and play with whoever's on his line and make them infinitely better. A lot of times, guys are a really good fit on a unit or in a tandem. And and a guy like Coronado, a guy like Matthew Phillips, if you're not playing them with another skilled guy, don't play them. It's it's completely useless to your lineup. They're not going to produce anything. They need to play in that, that opportunistic role. And if they're not going to, just let them play that role in the AHL or trade them. Yeah, and th- that's where we kind of got to with Matthew Phillips. And it's so frustrating because, like, if this is a video game, he has so obviously passed the AHL level, <laughs> right? Like, we've established that that league, he's kind of figured it out. Um, it, it didn't feel like a real crack at it here in the at the NHL. I I almost wonder, like, playing is obviously better than not playing. I almost wonder if it would have been beneficial to hang around a little bit more just to see, like, have them have the conversation with Daryl. Like, okay, what do I need to do? Like, I, I just, I don't know how much he's gaining from whatever he's doing in the American hockey league right now. You know? Yeah. I think there, there comes a time with a prospect where it's kind of crap or get off the pot at the end of the day, you need to either get this guy in the lineup, do, do what he's supposed to be doing in that top six role in a, in a scoring role. I mean, the game's modernizing. You have scoring third lines across the NHL. Now you can do that. But the problem is when you have guys, and I don't mean to pick on him again, but like Luke Lucic in the lineup, and you're trying to get him to play with these guys that are in the that are coming in as skilled players, offensive players, you're setting them up for failure. And at the end of the day, you're also setting up Lucic for failure. He's not gonna be able to keep up. He's gonna look slower than he already does. He's not gonna look as good as he possibly can be if you optimize his minutes as well. And you're just kind of screwing everyone all around. Uh, this one coming in from Scott Suds 84. I've heard the Wranglers are in the AHL playoffs, so Wolf would be better to play meaningful games for a Calder than come up and play for the Flames. Uh, I'm guessing that's the reason. I think that's part of it for a few of these guys. Like that, this is, I mean, it feels like the playoff race for the Flames is kind of done now, um, but that the Wranglers are playing these meaningful games. That kind of experience will, will be helping like a Wolf or some of these other younger guys, right? Yeah, at the end of the day, the, the playoffs are, are going to matter, especially at the even at the AHL level. I know people say the the Calder Cup doesn't matter, but you need that experience. You need to be in high pressure games, and the Flames aren't going to have many of those left in the season after tomorrow, probably. So it, it's good to see Wolf get the the Calder Cup playoff games and hopefully lead the Wranglers to a long run. Um, looking at the the Flames, it feels like for forever they've kind of been middle of the pack in the NHL, which means they're kind of middle in the pack prospect wise like some some young prospects are great uh some like it, it doesn't necessarily hit well, where do you view the, the flames kind of system right now 
Uh, they're bottom, bottom end of the bottom third of the league right now. I think they've got some guys, certainly Matthew Phillips is really good. Uh, Connor Zary is coming up. I think he's really improving, but I think they really kind of lack that impact guy. I think Matthew Coronado is great. Is he going to be the impact guy? Like it's not necessarily there. And, And when you're at the bottom end of the prospect pool, you're hoping that you're going to get that guy in the coming drafts in the next couple of years with being in the middle of the pack, as much as the flames have been and even this year and the next couple, probably are you going to get that guy? It's hard because you're not getting a Bedard. You're not getting a Fantilli, a Mitch Cobble Carlson that at 15 at 16 at 17. So it's tough. It really is, but they've got a lot of good players in, in their system. Uh, Cole Hawkins is a really good player as well. Uh, Jeremy Poirier, an unreal offensive defenseman, if he ever learns to play some defense. And he started two lot this year in the AHL. So they have guys that can fill lineup spots, but they don't have guys that can kind of come up and, and take a lineup spot and really assert themselves as a star. Well, that's only been a problem for two decades now, so I'm sure <laughs> that'll get figured out. Um, Tony, thank you so much for your patience and excellent insight tonight. I love chatting with you. Uh, where, where can people find your work? Uh, you can find all my work at the Hockey News. I'm uh, doing all sorts of prospects and draft stuff there. You can follow me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari as well. All right. You can find me on social media at primetime Klein. Thank you all so much for your patience. Thank you to Rob, who is an absolute rock star. Uh, like this video, subscribe to the channel and the flames play the jets tomorrow. I'm sure it won't be painful and Audie's doing <laughs> it. So, you know, curses and whatnot. Uh, but yes, thank you all so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you all later. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.